Welcome to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast, the podcast that shows you how to build a world-class service business from the dirt up. And now your host, Mark Stoner. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Stoner. And thank you for joining me this week. I wanted to talk about a an idea because I coach some people. I talk to a lot of business owners and, you know, work with a lot of high speed guys, but I also work with a lot of people who just can't get going. And it's frustrating to watch them because they, you know, they listen, they say, yeah, that's a great idea. Good stuff. And then, and then nothing happens. And I heard a term for it and you may already know it, IDD, which is intention deficit disorder. And I thought that was, you know, very accurate for some people. I guess it's a type of a ADHD, but I see it a lot in entrepreneurs and even people with their life. They know the right things to do. They know all these things. This is not, it's not new information, how to fix it. They just won't do it. And uh, I heard a recording and part of it sounds like Jordan Peterson, but part of it doesn't. I can't figure out who, who said this. So I'm going to, I'm going to play his, this recording I found, and then I'm going to uh, read some articles about this and then just kind of talk about how it uh, pertains to business and life. So here is the uh, here is the audio of that. I want you to understand that you have a brain. The back part of it is where you learn. The front part is where you do. Knowledge, performance, knowing, doing. And ADHD splits them apart. I don't care what you know, you won't use it. You can be the brightest kid in the world, not going to matter. So you've got a real problem on your hands because you can know stuff and you won't do stuff. That's a serious problem called a performance disorder. So what we know about ADHD is it's going to put all five of those levels at risk because it interferes with all seven executive functions and you're going to have time blindness and you won't be able to aim your behavior toward the future to care for yourself as effectively as other people are able to do. You have intention deficit disorder. You have a disorder of performance, not knowledge. You know what to do, but can't do it. You have a disorder of the when and the where, not the what and the how. Your problem is not with knowing what to do. It's with doing what you know. Doing what you know. Uh, isn't that isn't that our problem? Um, and anymore, things are speeding up so fast that when I slow down to just kind of do research, it's like the more research I do, the more further behind I am. And I always focus on trying to be one of the first guys to know things. And the more I get, go down any rabbit hole, I'm like, (laughs) it just opens up into a whole nother world. I have no idea about it. Even simple programs that we use all the time. Like, you know, if you use, like I use Adobe, uh, um, audition for this podcast. I use StreamYard for the video. I use Canva for a lot of things. I use all kinds of different programs and they all have rabbit holes of depth. And then anything else you do, social media, websites, TikTok, like Facebook, there's such depth in things. But I can tell you, I, I don't suffer from intention deficit disorder. Uh, there's all kinds of disorders that every people can suffer from, and I do too. Uh, I, mine's probably shiny thing disorder, but 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 I do get traction because I do get into it and make. I do have a a way to make things happen. 
I don't just have intentions. Now, sometimes those I get something working and it doesn't work or I, um, you know, I focus on something a little bit and doesn't quite launch the way I wanted it to. But um, I guess most entrepreneurs would suffer somewhat of intention deficit disorder because there's so many things you can do. But in base life, if you're not getting where you want to get to, this may be something you need to look at. So I found this article on Indeed that I wanted to read that talked about about that. And it was, uh, what is intention deficit disorder and what to do about it? A guy named, uh, his name's Miko, M-E-I-C-O, Marquette Whitlock. And um, I thought it was very interesting what he said. He said, we're working longer, harder, spending more time than ever in meetings and connected to our devices. We're more exhausted, but we're not necessarily more productive. But being booked and busy doesn't mean you're being productive or focusing on things that really matter. If you found yourself being nonstop busy, but question whether you're really you've really moved the needle on important things, you may be experiencing intention deficit disorder. Many of us have heard of ADD or ADHD, but IDD, intention deficit disorder, may be less familiar. So what is it? It's a disorder. Now, there's that's one thing I hate. There's a disorder for everything. But I, I, I don't believe in all these medical diagnoses, but first of all. But I do believe there are things that happen to us that are in our experience now that may have not have been before, but I don't like everything being a disorder. I just want to be clear, but I think it is something that's happening. So let's just say this. It's a disorder I frequently see with clients I help who are going through the motions of life without knowing why. And the actual definition is a disorder characterized by consistently living on autopilot and out of alignment with your core values taking action without meaning or purpose, being busy without a clear intention in mind. So the hallmark signs are this. One, consistently living on autopilot and out of alignment with your core values, um, and then taking action. So it's it's basically what that said before. Um, For many of us, IDD begins with When we wake up in the morning, even before rolling out of bed or greeting our partner, we may be up checking emails, responding to text messages, scrolling through social media and going through our mental checklist for the day. Then we rush to our laptops, spend most of the day in perpetual state of distraction. By the time work ends, and it never really does, we're exhausted from nonstop meetings, sitting behind a screen all day. We have little, if anything, left over for our loved ones. And when we finally fall asleep, our devices are right there beside us. I do have a caveat for blue collar people. Yes, you may be busy. Your inbox may be overflowing and your calendar may be full of important calls. But being busy doesn't mean you're being productive or making impact. I will say this about blue collar guys. I see it in my employees who are working hard every day, yet exhausted. And I will say that I feel like we used to work harder a long time ago than they do now. But what I realize is they get no time to, to recover. They, they just don't, they, they, you know, they're on their phones all day long and working and, you know, we're communicating quite a bit with them, but so is their wives and their friends and stuff throughout the whole day. Then you get done working, you go home and there's kind of nonstop things and, and people, women and men do not recover. And I've had other talked about other episodes about recovery 
everybody has to have their own type of recovery. I definitely have mine. I like motorcycle riding, scuba diving. Um, I do like playing some video games. I do like some things. I like driving in my car and just kind of doing things. But you have to find out some people like working out. My wife does a lot of yoga and she works out. She does a lot of things like that. So, um, so here's what it said to do. If you're struggling with IDD, one simple solution is to focus on outputs, clients served, funds raised, projects completed, instead of inputs, number of emails sent, meetings attended, hours worked. What outputs are are measuring the week? To, what outputs are you measuring this week to determine if you're busy or productive? It's it's not the not so simple answer requires you to answer what I believe is the most important questions anyone can ponder, which are: at the end of your life, what will be your lasting impact and legacy? What changes must you make to lead life aligned with the legacy you want to leave behind? So this goes on and on. Um, and, and some good stuff. And, uh, but basically it is focusing on outputs versus focusing on, on what you're actually doing that doesn't move the needle anywhere. Um, to me overall, it, it's what is the purpose of your money to what you're working for. Like, you know, the poorer people or people with less money, they work to make the paycheck and to, you know, basically pay the bills. And then, um, you know, that that's why they're working is to basically hand it to somebody else. And then the second one is people who, who work in the middle class and then they work to kind of build credit up so they can borrow money to, to build wealth and to, you know, not necessarily borrow money as a middle class thing, but to, to basically get enough credit to buy the things they want for the lifestyle. And then, the wealthy, gate, you know, they make money to actually put it into something else that'll make more money. And they kind of, um, I heard a guy talking about it about where he puts it into like an incubator that will grow more money. And so those are kind of the three things. So I think if you're stuck in that trap of just working super hard to give it to somebody else, that is also a tough place to be. But back to the intention deficit disorder. Um, one place I see it show up in entrepreneurs is people who come to a lot of conventions and then do nothing with the convention information. I've yet to been be to a convention. I've been to hundreds of them and where I found nothing that I could act on. And I don't always act on them, but some people take like notes and notes and notes and then they go home and they take the notebook and they never open it back up again. And you see them at these conventions and pretty much year after year, they're in the same spot and they're stuck on something. There's something in their business and their, in their thing that they get stuck on. And I say this all the time. People come to see my business or they come to hear me talk or listen to my podcast or whatever I put out there. And they love a lot of the things I say, yet they don't do them. And that for me used to be very frustrating. I would have people come to my blue collar university where people come into my business. I work with them for a day. I show them how we do everything for one day. And the second day we work on their business, taking all the information I showed them. And then we sit down with them and build a, a you know, three to five year game plan as to all the steps, an organizational chart of when to hire people. And 
ideally what gross uh, numbers are coming in and what profit margins you should get to and when you should add people in different positions. And they go away with a real game plan. I used to do that for free. I used to let people come and I would just do it because I love doing it. I love, you know, building into people and seeing if they can be successful. And what was very frustrating is I would spend two full days and check back with them six months, a year, even see them two years later, nothing changed. And that became super frustrating for me. I felt like I wasted my time and they just like to hear me talk and they just like to hear me say what I would do, but they won't do it. And the most exciting people for me is when I tell them to do something, they go right to doing it. If if it makes sense for them, of course, all my ideas don't always work for everyone, but um, that's the best people. So I had to start charging for it because uh, then once you have some skin in the game, then it actually, you're more likely to do it. But, you know, I see people come to these conventions, set in the crowd, and they probably learn nothing new. I mean, it's a rare day when something really new comes out. Um, some new technology for sure, but new ideas of how to build a business, how to think. It's all kind of recycled. It just depends when it hits you and you decide to do something about it. But also, it's like working out. Once you start working out a lot, your your mind and your body is more inclined to work out and get more results from it, and you get used to moving that way. You know, I I start businesses very easily, and I get into businesses and start them. And, um, you know, it's a mindset because I know kind of what it looks like. I also know that I don't have to overthink it too much. Um, because if I, I'm always asking the wrong questions. If I try to overthink a business I don't know about and try to learn everything, I'm usually asking almost all the wrong questions. And I watch, uh, I'm listening to Elon Musk's new book. And one of the things that he talked about is questioning how things should work. And when he started his new Tesla thing, he wanted to have super automation all the way through and teach robots how to do everything. And he bought tons of robots. And then he realized that there are things that people are a lot better at than robots. And so um, usually when people or companies bring robots in, they've got people doing a certain tasks. And then when it's so repetitive, they bring a robot in to do it. Well, Elon thought, well, let's just start with robots and take the human factor out of it. Well, he realized that a lot of his stuff wasn't getting done on the Tesla line. He wanted to get 5,000 cars done. I think it's a day or maybe 5,000 a week. I can't remember. It's 5,000 was the key number. And he was currently producing 1,000. And um, this was, I think, in 2018. And he said, if we don't get to 5,000, we're the, we're going to sh- run out of money. We're going to shut it down. And they, through all these things, figured out how to get to 5,000. But one of the things was going through and getting rid of – he just put – marks on the on these big robots and put them out in the parking lot and went back to people and training them to do it. So if there's ever a guy to watch, if you've got intention deficit disorder and study, watch Elon Musk because he moves so fast with so much intention with, you know, when he's got to get something done, he gets out of balance, laser focused and crazy about it to get it over and then he focuses on something else. Now, most people, I mean, he's he's a he's the Einstein, the Edison of our time. So he's he's unlike 
almost anyone else alive. And it's fascinating to watch, but you can learn a lot from them. I definitely take away a more focused intention on things right now. You know, I, you know, we have issues in our business, every business does. And we have just different issues right now that we've got to fix. And a lot of it's up to me. I mean, it's absolutely some of the things I, you just can't delegate out, you know, and some things you have to. So now I'm refocused on my company to get the intention done. I'm very intentional right now. So, you know, I, I, th- I, so a couple of the things about what they talked about were these. You can know stuff, but you don't do stuff. That That's a killer for me. I can't understand that one very well uh, when you know stuff. I shouldn't say that. I I know, like, say, working out. I know that working out is good for you, and I have been super focused on it before, and I have then got fallen out of it. And right now, I'm probably the healthiest I have been, yet I'm not focused on working out. I'm still focused on other things. So I know that that's something. But again, it, in life, if you're not getting somewhere, you can know the stuff, but you don't do stuff. Uh, time blindness, I think what he really meant from that was that you think you've got more time than you do. You know, I'm looking at the the recording here. I got quite a bit of gray in this beard. And uh, I I can see the time is is I'm in a hurry. I'm still in a hurry to then not be in a hurry later. Now, some people want to take it easy all the way through, but that's just, to me, the joy of life is to face something hard and get through it and get to the other side of it. And then something else hard comes up, but there's a joy in in being pressured and then being really pressured and seeing if you can figure it out and then get to the other side. I think I don't think the joy of life is just always having everything easy and figuring out a way to kick my feet up and watch a cash roll in. That, and like if I had some type of an online business that had no, not too much input, and it just, I mean, it sounds nice, but for a life fulfillment thing, I don't know that that's it. You've got to, it's the same reason people go hunting and fishing and hiking and hike mountains for free. It's not that they don't want they don't want to have an easy life. They want to have a life that gives them a feeling for what they what they enjoy. And for me, business does that when and and working with people and having problems in front of me that we've got to solve is, you know, for me, the challenge and uh, at the other side of it, the joy of it. Um, You have a um, you have a deficit of performance, not knowledge. You know, that's, um, but people, once you become an adult, there's not a lot of people judging you on your performance. And a lot of times people just do the minimum. If they're working for somebody, they just figure out how to do the minimum and not really do more. And therefore you're kind of given what you're given versus kind of pushing your way through. Um, I always tell my guys, the worst thing you can do for me and my business is stay quiet. My business is built on people complaining and bitching at me and saying, this is not right, or we need this, or this needs to happen. And if you're always doing that to me, I'm not going to enjoy it. I mean, I hope every once in a while you tell me I'm doing something right and you enjoy working with me. But it's not perfect, and I need people to tell me what to do so then I can I can try to do something about it. The worst thing somebody can do is... Uh, 
is they have a knowledge in, internally. They know something, but they don't feel they can do anything about it. They feel like telling me won't matter. feels like they could be a tattletale or a complainer. And all that is wrong. You know, we need to help each other. Um, my wife was at a, uh, was at a uh, women's retreat the other day. And they had this, uh, this card that everybody passed around, had their name on, and they passed around to these women. I think it was like 15, 20 women there. And they wrote something about you on the card, you know. And I, I looked at my wife, and it was all very nice stuff, very pretty, humble, nice, caring, you know, all the nice things. And she was telling me that this one lady, one of somebody wrote down on there uh, for her, they wrote loud. And the lady read it and it like affected her. And she's and like the other lady was that said it said, no, I, you know, I'm quiet and loud was like pretty neat, but also it's true. Like I said, it's of the one thing of all the words that were written down. What did that lady remember? The one that was probably the most true that no one would say. I said, so my wife was laughing. I said, so is she loud? And she said, yeah. I'm like, well, that what that's exactly the right thing to say to somebody. One, if you if you admire it, but two, if you need to kind of a little course correction, like we're afraid to tell each other the little things that actually would help them. And I said, of all the words, you guys, you 20 women wrote down, you know, 20 times 2,400 compliments. One person said one thing that that wasn't even bad. It was just real. And that's the only one you guys all remember. How's that possible? What, why is that the thing? And a lot of times, um, you know, I, I was so funny. I was going through this thing. These are things called a fist bump. Uh, these are, it's like a notepad that my friend John Meredith would give out during conferences. And during that, it says, it says fist bump at the top. And those of you just listening, can't see it. And it says, Hey, blank. I appreciate you because, and there's a way to write down what there was. And I was reading these because a bunch of people handed me these at this conference, just tons of them, because uh, I had spoke and then they came up and they wrote these fist bumps. And what's so interesting is it, it wasn't the nice stuff I said to people. It was the hard stuff or the challenging things. And when I if somebody comes to me with just intention I can see it. I, what I need is action and what you're going to do about it. And then I'll brag on you. But until then, I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you a hard time because I think you need it. Not because it doesn't do me. I don't need to do it at all. But it is the thing that helps the most people is to be super direct and say the thing you need to say. It. The, the, the trick is to say it in a way that they know you care and you're not being you're not being hurtful, but you're being real enough that it kind of stings sometimes. But you're like, hey you need to know this. And man, I don't, when people do it to me, I don't like it. So I'm, not, I'm always thankful. What I hate is when somebody tells you, does something behind your back. That That's, I have no room for that, but man, I will never, I never have a problem. If you come face to face with me with a problem, um, as long as it's respectful in the way you do it. So to wrap this up, um, the problem, um, let's see, you know what to do, but you can't do it. And then your issue is doing what you know. Um, you've probably listened to this podcast today. You've listened to my stuff and you know that almost everything I say you've heard, but 
maybe not exactly in the way I'm saying it, or also it can be a time of your life where you, it makes more sense right now. You may have heard it before, but now all of a sudden, oh, you know, I need to look at that again. That's why I like read, read books multiple times um, because I'm in a different place than the first time I read it. Um, It can be all kinds of reasons that you say something and now you do something about it. But Anyway, that's my uh, that's my topic on intention deficit disorder, and um, I do want to say a couple things. I will be speaking at the Hearth Patio Barbecue Association next week. Uh, at the end of next week, I'm speaking on two topics. One is called Earned Not Given. I talk about my pay structures and how I pay people throughout the different organizations that I run. And then the other one is how to build a service business, kind of some of the tactics and thought processes that I have for you to build a service business. Now, it's kind of the same premise I wrote the book on, but uh, I'm speaking to a lot of hearth stores who really don't do uh, service like we do, or they don't think of service like we do. So I'm going to speak to that group on that. And I'll also be there with our Surefire booth, uh, our online training program to talk to people about that. So that'll be in Nashville. It'll be next week. And um, so I'm looking forward to that. So if you can come to Nashville or come say hi or whatever, that'd be great to see you. And if not, uh, we will talk to you soon. Have a good day. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or any place that you listen to podcasts. More information is also available at markstoner.com.